And I think profoundly meaningful leadership that creates life-giving organizations, humane organizations, in addition to being radically honest, the way Patty talks about, in addition to being cognizant of the wish for love, safety, and belonging, those leaders do not forget what it's like to feel scared, challenged, vulnerable, at risk, the imposter, new to the organization. They remember. Just like we remember what it was like to have 11 people sitting in somebody's apartment trying to figure out what the hell are we going to be when we grow up. Don't forget the next employee you hire is going to walk in with a whispery voice that says, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. How can you possibly live up to the model that Natalie is showing? Especially the next young woman who walks in and looks at you and says, you're on the executive team. How the hell did you get up there? Remember remember what that was like? Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. <laughs> Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Remember this. Remember how this moment feels for you and what the voices in your head are saying to you right now. Remember the doubt, the dread, the pain, and the sense of failure. These were words that Jerry spoke to me in the winter of 2014. My last startup before Reboot was on its last legs, and it was clear that we didn't have any final lifelines. It was more or less done. As I sat in the agony of the moment, a moment full of limited choices and voices kept running through my head. This was the final proof that I didn't have the entrepreneur or the leader I had hoped within me. This was proof I was done. What would my life be like beyond this? That time was incredibly hard, and it was really confusing, and it felt permanent. And now I see how important that experience was for me in my life and the work I get to do today. Today, I spoke with someone who was in that very moment and I remembered. I was able to reconnect with my own experience, which allowed me to be present in the moment with her, to connect empathetically with her and her pain, her confusion, her own self-doubt. And in that connection, she was able to feel, even just for a moment, like this wasn't the end. And it wasn't the final proof of her flaws and her destined path of failure. This was, in fact, a moment that could serve as a new beginning, and perhaps even a new version of herself. Remember this, I told her. Remember this so you can be there for others, too, who know this feeling. Remember this moment as it can make you a better leader instead of being proof that you aren't one. Remember it. We have a saying we often use at Reboot. Everything is workable. For me, that means everything, even our most painful moments, could be our opportunity to learn and grow as human beings. They don't have to be proof of our flaws or weaknesses or shortcomings. They can be paths to our wholeness. Natalie McGrath knows well the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the challenges young managers and leaders face each day in her role as the VP of People at the fast-growing company Coinbase. She comes to Jerry to explore how one might be able to keep the humanity and self-care front and center inside a hyper-growth organization. How can she, as the people ops leader, help people struggling with balance, burnout, and self-doubt. As Jerry and Natalie discuss, 
The path to serving others often starts with your own voices and reconnecting with the painful moments in your past. Enjoy. I'm Rory Sterling. I'm a founding partner here at BGF Ventures. We're based in London and we're a £200 million early stage venture fund. I would recommend uh, Reboot Bootcamp, hands down. I, if you're on the edge and thinking about it, I would just do it. You'll, you won't regret it for a second. I think my key, my key reflection from the Bootcamp weekend is that you can't remove from the work that we do on a daily basis is, is incredibly human. So it's not sitting in front of a computer. You know, we are, we are interacting with founders and with teams and making decisions that impact people's lives. So it is uh, imperative and, it, and it, it's your responsibility to invest in yourself if you care about the companies that you invest in to make that dynamic successful. Join us for the 2019 VC Bootcamp this January 24th to 27th in Boulder, Colorado. Over this long weekend, you'll work with the Reboot team and your peers to uncover your authentic leadership style, helping you to become the best investor, board member, and supporter you can be. To learn more and apply, head to reboot.io slash VC Bootcamp. Hey, Natalie, it's great to see you again. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm great. Great. Thank you for coming on the show and taking some time to talk with us. And um, I have some notion about uh, what we want to talk through. But before we do that, could you just take a moment and introduce yourself? Of course. Yeah. So my name is Natalie McGrath and I work at Coinbase. I've been working here for about four years. Um, I joined around employee number 10 or 11, and we are currently just a little bit over 250 full-time employees. And, um, I lead all of our people operations, which includes our HR, uh, recruiting office ops or facilities, and then our admin support. Gotcha. So Coinbase, and we are talking in March and... We just kind of joked a little bit. It's like, boy, howdy, what the last few months must have been like for you. That's right. Yeah, it's definitely been a really exciting and um, intense time here at Coinbase. We saw a huge spike in the price and all kinds of attention and very a lot of activity in the a lot of activity in the macro environment. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me what that's been like and, and what's it like? I mean, I have some of my notes here, but really it's sort of focusing on life in a hyper growth company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a funny question. I mean, a funny question when it's, what's it like? I, I think there's two kind of components to it. There's, there's one, which is what does, um, what does, what happens in the day to day and in terms of showing up at work every day, and then the second is, how does that impact me personally um, outside of the office? Mm. And so I would say in the day-to-day, it's actually really interesting because there's so much excitement and energy and there's so many people that are really looking to do some really cool stuff. And so what happens during the day is you get into this really um, amped almost experience where um, you, wanna, you just want to move really quickly and you want to get things done and you want to keep pushing that mission forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge energy high from that working with really smart people. And then there's this flip side, which is kind of the day to day in terms of a personal life. And how does that impact, um, me or individuals in that perspective? And I would say that's where there's more of an, uh, more challenge. Um, mm-hmm. so having 
the energy to sustain that kind of fast moving pace um, and training something that is sustainable. Mm-hmm. And that that's probably where um, a lot of the challenge I really face is how to balance those two. Mm. I, I hear it. And, and I want to acknowledge that um, there's something life-giving and enlivening about working in a pace that we're just like you're on this rocket ride and it's just growing and it's like, holy crap, look at what's going on here. And you're feeding off of each other and, and you're nodding. So, so I'm hitting it, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like as the day unfolds, it's like, it's almost like every few minutes, like, holy crap, look at this. Holy crap, look at that. So it's super exciting. And yet it can also be draining because at the end of the day, you're like, Ah, I can mm-hmm. barely like just crawl into bed. <laughs> Am I naming that right? Yeah, no, that's very that's very accurate. Mm-hmm. You, that adrenaline can do a lot, and it's um it's really fun, and it's mm-hmm. almost addicting in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. then you get to the weekend where you're you really need some sleep, and you really need some time to go to the gym or mm-hmm. um, some time to spend with your family, and um, it can be it can be very roller coasty rollercoaster in that way yeah i love and i love that adjective rollercoaster because (laughs) that's what it feels like and it's like and when when you know we often on the podcast we'll talk about you know entrepreneurs who are struggling because in part we spend a lot of time not talking about that really as Mm -hmm. a culture um we lionize um uh the experience and we put people on covers of magazines and you know i i am offering often encountering people these days who are sitting there saying, yeah, you know, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It's going to be great. It's like, slow down. (laughs) We've got some stuff we've got to work on. I was just going to say, to to build off on that a little bit, what I find here, and I suspect this is the case at other places as well, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, is not just because there's so much to do, but because there's a real desire, like it's, and it's exciting. They really believe in the mission. We all really want to do something different. And so it's all coming from a really good place. I don't feel it as though it's being pushed or forced mm-hmm. upon people. I feel like it's very like self, um, it, it's, it's pushed by self, right. uh, which is kind of an interesting concept as I think about it from a people operations perspective, you know, how do we take care of our employees and how do we, teach and develop our employees so that they can be at Coinbase or at a fast growing pace for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. So we use this often, you know, Brian uses this a lot too, which is that concept of uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do we, how do we take care of our employees in a way that that's really true? Well, and, and we'll just name it Brian Armstrong, uh, one of the co-founders and CEO. Um, Um. Yeah. So there's that whole other side. So there's the personal side. How does Natalie take care of Natalie in the midst of all this? But also how does Natalie take care of, uh, I'll use that term loosely, Mm -hmm. uh, indirectly take care of everybody by being responsible for uh, the people side of the business that's growing. That's right. right. Yeah. It's, there's almost an intellectual question there, but it's it's linked to an emotional thing. So the roller coaster ride that you're on mm-hmm. is also a ride that a lot of your colleagues are on. That's right. Yeah. 
And you have two challenges associated with that. One is your own experience of it. And the other is, how do I support these people as they're going up and down, up and down? Right. Um, and, you know, so what occurs to me is a word I've often used in the podcast uh, and, and dialogue. And it's a word that comes to me from my Buddhist studies, which is equanimity. Mm-hmm. And um, Brian may resonate with this. Um, when he talks about it's a marathon, not a sprint, equanimity for me means not too high, not too low, <laughs> right? It's a kind of, it, we're not, what we don't want to do is slow down the sense of urgency and the sense of excitement because that'll actually take some of the verve and juice out of the business. But we also don't want to deplete everybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because um, your mental health claims and your insurance will go through the roof. I'm, <laughs> I'm making a facetious joke, but, it's, but it's, it feels resonant because it's true. Yeah. And then it leads to burnout. And we really, we want our employees to be happy and we don't, we want them to have a full life both here at the office and outside of it as well. Yeah, and there's a there's yeah. a pragmatic and practical expression of this, which is uh, when you have a fast growth company like this, um, with uh, and I don't need to know the valuations and the rounds and things like that, but I'm going to presume for a moment that each round of fit and investment has seen an increase in valuation. One of the consequences of this is that when people start to fully vest. They turn in their chits. They're done. Right? And so from an HR perspective, where you know, the last time we talked, you had 200 employees. Now you have 250 employees. What's your, what are you guys anticipating at the end of this year? Look, she just took a deep breath. <laughs> How many employees? Yeah, we'll, 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 be at least, we'll be at least doubling, likely even more than that. Right. So let's just acknowledge that, you know, I often talk about speed bumps and that typically is when people cry. That's a speed bump too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, at the end of 2018, you'll probably be somewhere around 500 or more employees. At the end of 2017, what were you? The end of 2017, we were about 200 about 100 at the end of 2016. Okay, so it's actually, so it's not only is it doubling, but it's speeding up. That's right. Right, so the roller coaster is actually going faster. That's right, yep. Right, Um, and we don't know if it's going to screech to a halt. (laughs) We don't know, like we we don't know. We're just on that ride. Yeah. We're just on that ride. Yeah. So I noticed something when I used the word equanimity before. You kind of paused. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that word? Um, or how does it make you feel? I, I guess I hadn't, I hadn't really uh, heard it apply to the work setting mm-hmm. before, and so I was making that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking through that a little bit, I, I think, I think there's a tendency to be somewhat drawn to the highs and, um, how does that, how does that just play out 
um, keeping it in that st- you know steady state mm-hmm. and being in a place where there are a lot of highs and mm-hmm. lows in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not that um, we want to take away the highs of the experience because there's a dopamine rush that comes in. There isn't. There is a, an addictive quality to the adrenaline. I remember from my own days of of just feeling. I remember early in my career when I was working for a magazine in my 20s and I had been promoted early on to being uh, editor of the magazine. I just remember literally running from meeting to meeting, not out of fear, but out of enthusiasm. Exactly. Right. And just feeling like this, like super like drive. It's like, you know, I can't wait. And I also remember looking around at colleagues and wondering why were they moving so slowly? (laughs) Because there's just so much opportunity and it's really, it's lovely. It's a wonderful Mm -hmm. feeling when you can grasp that, when you can be a part of that, when you can be an early, early member of the team and grow there. Mm -hmm. And yet if Brian is telling the team that it's a marathon, not a sprint, if you're asking questions about that, do I have enough energy at the end of the week? There's a kind of creeping worry that you are all cognizant of, which is the burnout. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's put on your your head of HR hat. Tell me about. Um, your approach to helping people other than Natalie, right? Mm-hmm. Other people. What are, what are you yeah. all doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one, of, one of the ways that I think is, is really important, and this is not an, a specific tactical example, but more of a kind of phys- like, as we think about it, what is our philosophy around it? Um, I think there's, there's an element of empowerment, Um, And this is both about empowerment that an individual feels like they are in control of the work that they're doing and that they can uh, push back or say no or understand the context of how it all plays together and be able to really own their day-to-day work. Um, There's also an element of being able to talk directly to people like their managers or other folks in a way that says what they can handle and what they can't. So there's a, there's a permission aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, a, there's, there's another perspective, which is probably more of my own personal belief, but I believe that there's a lot of energy that's lost in the emotional component of work. And those are things as you think about like um, almost the political aspect of working in an organization or am I doing enough? That's a huge, can be a huge energy drain. Is this person thinking something negative of me? Am I safe in my working environment? Um, And my experience has found that's actually the things that lead to burnout faster than anything else. Um, So there's obviously things like not getting enough sleep or um, having too much work to do. But an emotional component of when you really feel like you are trying to protect yourself over and over and over is when true burnout happens and at a much faster rate. Mm-hmm. So as I think about the um, structure that we put in 
here at Coinbase, there's obviously the tactical programs that we put in place. Um, and then there's also the way in which we are working with managers from an HR perspective and um, working with employees to be able to be able to um, communicate their needs and feel as though they can be um, in charge of that. And then also identify when some of the other more emotional aspects or deeper um, concerns are coming up. So I just want to repeat back because I want to make sure I've got it. What you've seen and what you've observed is that um, part of what really depletes isn't merely the amount of work that we have or even the pace at which we're working, but it's when we're working really at a, at, at a, a really intense pace but not having uh, the capacity for our emotional needs to be taken care of, for us mm -hmm. to feel safe, for us to feel um, like we're appreciated, like we're acknowledged, or that we're empowered. You use that word mm -hmm. a couple of times, that we have agency over our own pace and our own work, mm -hmm. that that creates a kind of stress that is really depleting mm -hmm. and leads to burnout. Am I, am, did I hear that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. So how widely regarded is that or how well regarded is that within the company? Um, I would say that it's, it's, um, it's something that we talk a lot about in HR. So as we are, we have business partners on the HR team and they are coaching leadership and managers uh, so it's something that we talk a lot there and that influences the way in which we coach mm. our leaders. Mm. And, um, you know, I listened to your podcast with podcast with Patty McCord. I was uh, just that thinking that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, those are a lot of, that's a lot of the type of mentality that we take, which is, um, you know, the candor candor and, um, really thinking about what's best for your employees and not just from the, these are the tasks that need to get done, but um, how are they showing up and what's important to them? Yeah. And yeah. are they, do, are they really, do they trust you because they know what you're saying to them is real and honest and authentic and direct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or in, in Patty's terminology, which they developed at Netflix, it's radical honesty. Exactly. Um, which I love that term versus a brutal honesty, which is the mm -hmm. term that we tend to use. And it's, uh, people say it as if it's okay to be brutal and it's mm -hmm. not right. Right. And what I love about that, I don't know if you've had a chance to read her book yet, but the book is called powerful. And I, that, that's part of what I was thinking about when you said empowerment. Mm -hmm. so, that yeah, I agree. And we have one of our um, we have four values, and there's a sub bullet on one of our values, and it says you know very clearly clearly uh, no gossiping. So going directly to other to other individuals. So it's under clear communication, and it says we talk to people directly about issues instead of concealing or choosing gossip. And this really goes in that idea again of anything that you're you're saying, you're saying it directly because that removes an element of fear or trying to read between the lines or um, uncertainty that can take so much energy when you're trying to work on a daily basis. And right. 
I think fundamentally humans really care about belonging and feeling a sense of safety within a group or within a community. And if we can remove that fear, there's so much more energy that can go towards fun things or productive things. Right. So, so I, you, you know, from, from our, our joyful relationship outside <laughs> of this conversation, right. That, that, you know, uh, you're speaking my language when you say <laughs> want safety and belonging. And I yeah. would add love to that as well, right? Mm-hmm. And when we think about organizing our our businesses with that in mind, I think you do end up with values that you're talking about here. And, and what I'm hearing is that that's a pathway to managing the resiliency. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let mm-hmm. me challenge you a little bit, okay? Please. And yet, Natalie's going home depleted. Mm. So what's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a, it's a great, great catch and a good question. Mm. Um, so I would say if we talk about me, Natalie, personally, um, the things that still come up are back to the relationship So it comes back to things like imposter syndrome or um, feeling like there continues to be more that I could or should be doing. Um, And that combined with the excitement of so many opportunities of things that can be done, Mm -hmm. it it does result in that, um, in that depletion or that Mm -hmm. exhaustion, whatever. So I think a lot of the observations, I, 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 I know I agree with a lot of the observations that you've made about building healthy, humane work environments, even in the midst of hyper growth, even in the midst of things. And I think that resiliency, the words resiliency and equanimity in my mind go together, mm-hmm. right? If we can create resiliency within the individuals, we create resiliency within an organization, and that leads to an experience of equanimity, which is not boring. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, instead of it being a roller coaster, imagine it just being this steady, steady climb that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going. And you named that agency over our own life uh, is there. But then you bravely just named something really sweet and wonderful, which is that, and yet I, as an individual, I still struggle with this notion of the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And to put it simply, I often think about it as what the imposter syndrome, I hear that voice in my head speaking to me saying, but what if they figure out you haven't a fucking clue? <laughs> What if they figure out, like, so just just if we think about this conversation for a moment, what if they figure out that Jerry and Natalie are really full of shit? Because they struggle too. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the feeling, right? Yeah. So I just want to pause and acknowledge that. Yeah. Because yeah. even even, and by the way, I think you're doing something really important for your own resiliency which is that you're naming some mm. of the demons that you carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So say more. Um, yeah, no, I'm laughing because the naming one is such a powerful, um, 
powerful tool, actually. So um, there was a there was a time about two years ago where I was having a really hard time at Coinbase. We were uh, I don't even remember what was happening at the time, but I was feeling two things. One, I was feeling as though I wasn't doing nearly as much, or I shouldn't be in the role that I was in. Combined with the fact that I didn't actually feel like I had the same language as most of my peers at the time. So um, at the time, it was uh, an all-male mm. team. I mean, there were other women at Coinbase, but not on the leadership team that I was on. And um, there was just a very... They had a very driven... They had a very... Uh, their communication style tended to be all about product, tended to be very metrics-driven, very action-oriented. And both based on both me and my role, plus me as a human, tends mm. to be more of a... Of a both collaborative and also a very, not that they weren't collaborative, but the, the words I tend to use are about we and soft mm. questions and things mm. like that. Um, and so there was a time where I was having a difficult, difficult time. And I went to my, um, my, my manager, who was Fred Ursham, who's also a founder, co-founder of Coinbase. And I kind of had this breaking point where I said, I'm just really not happy here right now. and um, I don't actually think it's anything to do with you or with Coinbase. It really has to do with the the struggle I'm having in terms of my own experience of, I just don't feel like I really should be in this role or I don't feel like I belong in this room in this conversation. Um, and I remember very clearly the look that he had on his face, which was pretty, which is, which is surprise. Um, and I think he indicated as such, he said, you know, that was, he didn't think that was the case at all. Hmm. And he wanted some time to go and think about it and come back to me in our next one-on-one. And he did, he, he went, he went, he thought about it, he came back and he had a whole list of reasons why he thought I was not only um, the right person for that role, but also why I deserved to be in the room and why my voice was so important. Um, and that was a huge, that was a turning point for me, uh, both at Coinbase, but also in my own leadership style, where I realized the power of being able to be self-reflective and then articulate that um, to others. Mm. And so um, when you, when you say that the power of, of naming it, um, right. that has a very like real, real experience for me. Yeah. I can even see you're almost somatically physically embodying a connection back to that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he was listening to this, uh, well done, Fred. <laughs> yeah. Because what I'm imagining, stepping into Fred for a moment, I'm imagining that coupled with his surprise was probably a little bit of terror. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I can't afford to lose Natalie. And so he then sort of settled in and sort of gave you something that you needed, which was to put it succinctly, no, Natalie, you belong. Yeah, and I think it was also um, helpful for him too, in that he, he there was a there was a key moment after that as well, where he said, "I'm going to give you instead of giving you how to do it, I'm giving you the end goal, and you go and come back with how to do it." Because I realized mm-hmm. it's going to be in a way that I would have never have come back with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw him use that behavior, that change in a lot of his other management as well. So mm-hmm. there was a there was a cool win win there. I think. And yet, we notice that the imposter syndrome still sort of survives, right? Yeah. And so, just a word about the imposter syndrome. 
I think the imposter syndrome is an expression of an internalized survival strategy. And the survival strategy, and you know, I know you've worked with my partner Khaled um, in, a, in occasional conversations. So I know that you've had conversations about, you know, surviving our our upbringing and what is it really what are the characterological structures that we end up inheriting and one of the ways in which we are ironically kept safe as children is to internalize criticism so it's better that i criticize myself than i hear someone who loves me criticize me and you're nodding with a kind of resignation. <laughs> you recognize that. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the way it gets expressed is through the imposter syndrome, right? So there's this construct that goes on, right? Where you've got the, it, the you know, in Buddhism, we talk about seven layers of consciousness. So I'm just going to talk about two or three at this point. So there's the me. Then there's the me that needs to be protected, and it's protected in a kind of perverse way by being told by me that I'm not good enough, or to use a phrase you've used often, I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And then, because you can never do enough to silence that critic, the imposter syndrome kicks in, which is yet another voice that basically says, what if they figure out that you're not doing enough? Mm-hmm. Right? So all that's operating all the time. Mm-hmm. And you just named the power of naming those things because it, it shrinks the demon quality of these structures down to size. Does that resonate? It does. Yeah, it does. And it almost becomes, um, I mean, to your point, it, it still exists. I still, I still exhibit it. I still do it on a, on a unfortunately daily basis, but it also becomes somewhat of a joke at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I now report into Brian Armstrong, our, our CEO, and there are meetings where we'll have one-on-ones or something along those lines. And in that time, time he will say okay well i see the imposter syndrome coming up again like Aww. how's that doing right um and i can do it with my team as well which is really nice um and uh I, there are i do have a fear around it like being able to joke about it in that way does that make me more vulnerable does yeah. that make me more weak does that um but do you see mean- that that's just another expression of a partially <laughs> self-critical voice Yes, yes, that's right. Right, right. so it's, yeah. all, it's all operating there. And I love the fact that Brian's giving permission by with love, really, mm-hmm. sort of naming some stuff. Yep. That's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Mm. That's fun. <laughs> and embarrassing at the same time. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion because there's an implicit question here. You tell me if this is helpful. The implicit question is, how do we sort of hold ourselves steady creating positive energy versus the, the roller coastiness of things while this is going on? And I think you've hit upon some really important tools and you've expressed them both as a culture, but also as the keeper of the culture. 
One of those is sort of leaning into those shame-producing points and naming things, even though it creates a sense of vulnerability. Lovingly blowing kisses to the imposter syndrome. Oh, there you go. Oh, it's (laughs) showing up. Oh, we're going to, and now we're going to let it go. I'm going to suggest something that might be even more uh, helpful for all the leaders at Coinbase. Um, in addition to equanimity. And this is something I say to, to new coaches often. This feeling and all these feelings that we're touching upon, don't ever forget them. Because you're at 250 employees now, the next 250 employees, every one of them is going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the next 500 after that, every one of them is going to feel it. Some form of that. Mm-hmm. And I think profoundly meaningful leadership that creates life-giving organizations, humane organizations, in addition to being radically honest, the way Patty talks about, in addition to being cognizant of the wish for love, safety, and belonging, those leaders do not forget what it's like to feel scared, challenged, vulnerable, at risk, the imposter new to the organization, they remember. Mm -hmm. Just like we remember what it was like to have 11 people sitting in somebody's apartment trying to figure out what the hell are we going to be when we grow up? Don't forget, the next employee you hire is going to walk in with a whispery voice that says, you're not doing enough, you're not good enough, how can you possibly live up to the model that Natalie is showing. Especially the next young woman who walks in and looks at you and says, you're on the executive team. How the hell did you get up there? Remember, remember what that was like? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice. (laughs) Right. So as you continue to build this humane, resilient, organization don't forget does that land with you yeah it does it does it's um it's it's nice because i like this idea of using the it's it's a using the fear using the I will say in quotations, negative experience um, as both a learning opportunity, but also as a way to say, this is something that can help us be even better here at this organization, understanding that everyone is going to be experiencing some version of this. That's right. By recalling those instances, I mean, you've already said it, right? By naming what's going on, what's really true, Right, and something as simple as what we've done, in, you know, in 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 our experiences that, that we've had together, red, yellow, green. How am I state? What state am I in? In addition to being able to name it, in addition with love and kisses to oneself to say, "Up oh, there it goes again." There's it. but to remember actually deepens the sense of belonging within the organization. Mm-hmm deepens a sense of loyalty, deepens a sense of trust. Oh, 
this person understands what my experience is like. I can tell just by a look in her eye. Yeah. My boss knows. And so when I then step out or I step or I fail or I struggle, I'm not going to be tossed on my ass. I will be held accountable for that mm-hmm. which I am responsible, but I'm not going to be suddenly and capriciously have my head lopped off. I'm going to be treated with humanity even on my way out the door if that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Does this make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's, um, it's, uh, very, um, aligned with the direction that I hope both my own leadership style can take, but also the one that we continue to build here at Coinbase. Mm. Um, I had so a, I really like that a lot. I had a sense that that was the that was an expression of your values, and the and 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 the question that was spurring me was a question I often ask clients, and you've probably seen me do this, and it's a it's a simple but powerful question, and that is, what kind of company do you want to work for? Mm-hmm. Because you have the responsibility and the audacious capacity to create that every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think holding fast to the notion of remembering what it's like, what was it like, what is it like to feel those feelings, Mm -hmm. gives you the chance to build the kind of company that you would want to work for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know. Definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that goes a lot into the, because I think that can happen on a lot of different levels. So mm-hmm. great. It's always great to, to have it reinforced with leadership or managers. But I think that same thing happens on an individual basis as well. Yeah. Um, and I hope, I hope that we can create a place in which individuals, as they go through, if they're unhappy, on for for anyone circumstance they're able to feel like i can actually i can actually have an influence on being able to address and fix this yeah and a lot of that goes back to what you're talking about of realizing that there's a humanity aspect and that these feelings are different levels across the board and there sometimes they won't be there and sometimes they will be mm-hmm. you know to, to 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 recall again advice from patty I loved in that podcast conversation, I loved how she described Netflix as holding itself out as a great place to have, have come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I already, and I know that Coinbase is one of those companies that's already beginning to spin off people. Mm-hmm. Right. And the truth is that's another expression of, did we build the right culture? Mm-hmm. We know we've built the right culture, a supportive culture. When people proudly say, yeah, I cut my teeth at that place. Mm -hmm. I learned how to lead at that place. Like for me, I learned how to lead at a company called CMP Publications in in my 20s, which was consistently ranked as one of the 100 best places in America to work for. 
by Working Mother Magazine, mm-hmm. which I really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. that fact <laughs> because it plays family at the center of what we were about. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from that company. And I think that's what I know I personally, I remember when we were uh, winding down Flatiron Partners, my first venture firm that I founded with Fred, Fred Wilson. And I remember we had this sort of barbecue kind of goodbye kind of thing going on. And we still remain, many of us are still very close and connected. But I remember saying, I, I want people to walk away feeling like this is the best company that they had ever worked for. Mm-hmm. Because we will not create, com- you know, when you live in a fast growth company, people are going to come and go. They're going to come in. It's going to roll and roll and roll. But for however long that they should be there, let's leave them with the feeling that, damn, that was one hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I grew. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes total sense and, and very aligned with what I hope we create or are creating here at Coinbase. I have a feeling you are creating it <laughs> just by this yeah. conversation. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like this concept that you can be human at work and create something really great um, and have a really great community as a result of it, no matter, no matter what ends up happening. So. Yeah. Well, they're lucky to have you in your role, for sure. Well, thank you very much. Well, and th- and thank you for joining th- this and the, for the conversation. It was really a blast. Yeah, no, this was fun. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat. You got it. You got mm-hmm. it. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast. To listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations and leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? Managing quotas, tracking metrics, setting the strategy, managing the team. This is just a short list of the challenges that sales leaders come up against every single day. Your job is to build a sales culture, manage up, down, and sideways, while understanding what motivates the customer better than anyone else. In a role that requires so much attention on external factors, it is necessary to build an inner resilience as you move through the highs and the lows. If you're looking to learn from others who are going through similar challenges while gaining the tools to better understand your internal motivators, join the Reboot team October 19th in San Francisco for the in-person launch of our very first and often requested sales circle, which is for director, VP, and head of sales. To learn more and to apply, go to reboot.io 
slash circles.